0: Say, Dave, do you know that One Direction had the number one stadium tour this year? No. Do you know that YouTube won't make the same licensing deal with the indie labels that it does with the majors? They won't you know that Vivo only airs videos from Sony and Universal and does not censor any material?
1: Hey, Steve, how do you know all this stuff?
0: Because last semester I tuned into Music Biz 101 and more on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. on WPSC Brave New Radio and heard industry guests talk about all of this stuff.
1: That's that cool show from the Music and Entertainment Industry Management Department on campus that you can call in or tweet questions about the Music
0: Biz, right? It's the only one in the country, and it's a Stitcher Radio podcast as well. Wow, so the show airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I bet they have great guests lined up.
1: I'd like to learn more about touring using social
0: media and DIY stuff. Just coincidentally, the semester show will include tour manager Dave Laurie, social media with Sean Rosenberg, and from Clifton, Sean and Rachel from Blue Raven Entertainment. When's that show on again? Wednesday nights, 8 p.m., live only on 88.7 WPSC, Brave New Radio, and it's
1: It's free! free!
2: <laughs> Spent too many years,
1: blood, sweat, and tears to turn back. That's right. You are listening to Music Biz One Hundred and One and More. You are sweating tears. You are sweating blood right now as you listen to the great lyrics of pseudonym Alpine, but in real life, his name is Al Cohen. Welcome, Al, hey, to Music Biz One Hundred
2: and One and More. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. It's,
1: it's great, here. great to have you, yeah. Al. For those listening, this is Music Vids 101 and more on 88.7 WP Brave New Radio. I am your Professor David Kirkfilp. You may call me Professor David Kirkfilp. And you may clap. On my Ralph, we have Dr. Professor Emeritus Stephen Marcone. Stephen Marcone, Big
0: show. Big show tonight. Big show tonight. Budget show, but a big show. (laughs) big budget. Big budget show. We're missing a person, so we're down to... uh, Upstring quartet, actually, that's, that's
1: what we have here. <laughs> it's true. We also have... Just
2: missing a string.
1: know <laughs> uh, it's a three-string bass we've got going on. Plus, we also have our producer, Philip Gorachowski here. Yes, ben yes, by! yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's really good to have you. You are listening, for those of you who are listening, to the only free advice college radio music and entertainment biz talk show and podcast in every America on the planet. That's Latin America, North America, South America... Huh? America the Beautiful. Every America.
0: Every America. Every America. So, Dave, we have some leftover uh, business from some... last year. Last week, excuse me. Firstly, the contest is over, isn't it?
1: Theme song contest ended last week at 11.59 p.m. on November
0: 5th, 2014. And we have some good We actually have some
1: very quality submissions. Very good stuff to which our panel of judges is going to start
0: and when will our listeners be able to hear the winner?
1: Yes. they were going to, The winner will be on the air with us on January 14th. The winner will be announced on December 17th. Ah. And so in a couple weeks, we're actually going to give give you our short list, and we're probably actually going to play a couple of these songs as well. Maybe even yeah. next week we'll play a couple of, some of good. these songs. Sounds good. But we, we have some really good really good stuff. Like You're going to listen to it. As a listener, and you're going to say, wow, that is actually really good stuff.
0: And secondly, we had a little bet going last week because we had Paul Sinclair on, who is uh, our visiting expert this year. And uh, we were trying to determine that Miss Swift had sold $1.27 million the first week. And what would she sell the second week without allowing Spotify to air any of her material? And I think the uh, submissions were, you said 400000 I said 200000 and I believe Paul said... three fifty. Three fifty. I 350.
1: I, said, F- I said four to five. You said right. five to six. I said five to six. six. I wrote right it down. There. Okay,
0: yeah. so cheap. you're right. It mean, sounds mean. high. Five to six <laughs> so sounds high. high. Five to six does sound high now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah. I have in my hands mm-hmm. the <laughs> exact sales for... The week ending November nine, and Miss Swift sold four hundred and one point six thousand wow. albums, That's down sixty nine percent from the week before.
1: I was off by sixteen hundred units. But what
0: is very uh, not striking, but very important to note, that the second number two, the second best selling. Was uh, Now 52, that's the kids, uh, the compilation Not the, kid, that's the uh that's the singles top. Yes, yeah. right. And what do you think uh, that sold, actually? To 401 is number one. What would number two be? 125? No. Is Al, do you want to take a guess? Wait, it's less oh. than
1: that? Uh, be...
0: What do you think? I mean, it's shocking if it'd be less than that. L- less than 100? L two forty two, fifty nine thousand. Wow! And Miss B- Midler sold thirty nine thousand. Wow. Whoa! And, and we doubt. can go down, down, and down to show this big, uh, you know, spread between Taylor Swift at four hundred one, and then the number two album at fifty nine thousand units. What's number ten? Number ten is Sam Hunt. At 24.4, down 64% this week. That's amazing. Ten
1: years ago, if you sold 24,000 units, you would be in the top (laughs) 200. (laughs) You'd be
0: around 180. Yeah, you'd be scratching it maybe. That's right.
2: But are they counting any downloads in this?
0: Yeah, they're counting... um, Equivalent or, albums, album equivalent yeah, albums, yeah, albums. Yeah, T.E.A.S. Is, so they have to change their formatting
2: of the way they counting things. Now. Well, the, well
3: this, the, right? the
1: Billboard, the SoundScan chart is basically irrelevant. Yeah, these it's irrelevant things. anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really it's all of that. If you add in chart. all the streams, so there are other charts that totally make much more sense. What
0: was very interesting too this week was that Adele's manager chimed in with a uh, sort of a percentage of uh, revenue in terms of what revenue streams should bring the artist today uh, money. So out of every dollar uh, that's spent in music, the artist should collect about 65 cents of that from their live and only 4 cents of that from their recording revenue. And that is a flip from 20 years ago Mm -hmm. or 10 years ago. When we used to put out albums to, uh, put out, we used to tour to support albums, and now we put out albums to support the tour. But we, uh, I digress, number one, and number two, our educated listeners know this already. This is old hat to them, but
1: Aaron Van Dyne, who is on the faculty here at William Patterson University, he's also the business manager for Kiss and Three Doors Down, and Dave Matthews Band has also been saying that his, he... He goes by the by the whole mantra that it's all it's all about live now. Mm-hmm. The money that these bands are making are from live. You know, KISS is a great example. KISS is gonna put out a new album in the next few months i believe mm-hmm. and uh it like you said it's it's because of live you know They're, the album is going to be something that's a commercial right. the eagles right. in 2007 put out a double album called long road to eden it was only available at walmart stores right and that was in conjunction with a big world tour that they were doing and that was basically the purpose of
0: that record yes that was irving's was, uh, one of irving's first deal irving azoff yeah irving azoff, yes So I think that any listeners out there, if you do not want to go into music, you should become masseuses, (laughs) (laughs) because as these aging rockers go on tour to make money all <laughs> so many well, yeah. different days a week well, they you have like a
2: Billy Joel doing a monthly uh, right. gig at uh, Madison Square Garden he probably takes the uh, long island railroad in <laughs> and says, i'm going to work for tonight night honey That's right? right goes in plays a show makes how much how much would he make on a show like that
0: wow well, i think he's he, i They're don't know the, i don't know billy's They're deal sold out I,
2: every month for i could a, a i year. could
0: find out billy's deal but obviously he works on a guarantee plus or right. a guarantee verse and knowing Billy on that, he would probably work on a guaranteed verse. He he did try years ago the Percenters Only, uh, which is not well liked by any promoter. So I don't know the deal he's made with, um, you know, MS. Yeah, so that's but... like a
2: residency yeah. thing for him. Once a month he does a big yeah. show like that and he makes a lot of money. Yeah. Just like some of the other older rock stars playing in, uh, or the singers out in like, Vegas. Yeah. Whitney sitting in. Didn't Kanye just turn down? The it was biggest some, uh, it was like four million, big, million or something. Yeah, or something I think it was like over that. four. He was, was going to get crazy. over Britney, mm-hmm. and he turned it down because he, he figured if he was out in Vegas, that's the end of his career. Well,
1: that's that's, that's actually a, an that's interesting. That's way it used thing. to be. Yeah. I drove to Atlantic City uh, last weekend, and as I was driving there, and you look at all the the billboards, it's for all current artists, and I was thinking that exact same thing. and twenty five years ago. You go to Atlantic City to die, or you go yeah, to right. Las Vegas because the career is over. Elvis, you know, or. Yeah, you or, sold or, that. You, you, Wayne the Newton, sharks, you know, so you, you sold, sold that. No yeah. And now you're going there because there's great money there because of the live business. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. So, who's coming next week? Next week, we have Chris Butler, who is the songwriter, guitarist, the mind behind the band, the 80s band, The Waitresses. Uh-huh. So, I know what boys like. Christmas Rapping. Um, he's also uh, well-versed in the music business now. He's he's based in Jersey now. He mm-hmm. does a lot of live playing, and he told me that he was going to be bringing some royalty statements with him. Wow. So Because the, the big question, because he has a song called Christmas Wrapping, which he did with the Waitresses back in 1982. It gets tons of airplay every year. I know you say you don't know it, but right. I still think you know this song. And, um, well, I
0: checked it out on YouTube. Okay. I didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be honest like
1: once again you digress but <laughs> that, that is totally but anyway, the, the, the fact is it's a it gets a ton of airplay during especially the holiday season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the question is can you survive if you make that one hit or that one christmas that one holiday song can you make a living off of that he's not mm-hmm. selling that much of that anymore um but You know, from from the airplay alone, from your performance rights, are you getting enough from that? Right. So uh, that'll be a big question. Good. And and it'll be timely because it'll be the week before Thanksgiving. Well,
2: it would depend on what stations they're playing on, too. Because the bigger the stations, if it's on your major stations, he could make some nice money Mm -hmm. if it's in rotation a lot. But would a song like that be in rotation a lot during that period? It's, or there's a couple of plays here and there. No, I think and, it's
1: more in rotation yeah. because cause it's older now. When it came out, I remember as a kid in 1984, it was this sort of new, it was a rock song and it was harder to listen. There was a lot more uh coal, uh, Cole, Chestnuts Roasting in an Open Fire, yeah, sure. um, and a lot less sort of the rock stuff. But then when, what was the thing that the Kennedy guy did? Uh, a Very Special Christmas. Oh, when yeah. A Very Special Christmas first came out in 83 or 84, that's when it the the it started switching on radio, and there started to be a lot more rock and roll or, or modern mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. content that they could play. So now a song like that does get in rotation right. on your light FM here in New York on one of six point seven. It'll then get played on the rock stations. It, it's kind of a crossover type of of song. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, there was a. Study done, and uh, the Spice Girls actually did a version of it, and it was one of the most well-known ah. of The Spice Girls are one of the most actually well-known artists in the world.
2: Oh, who are. would have thought? Yeah,
1: there was a survey done in England, oh. uh, like a two or three-year well, survey. We all
2: love those Spice Girls. <laughs> so that's where we came, came spice from. from I know.
1: Of and uh, Thanksgiving week, we have Jim Nelia, who is right. the father of our esteemed producer Philip Krawczkowski. And Jim is the personnel manager mm-hmm. for the New Jersey Symphony. That's right. And yeah. Jim is also an author, Onward and Upward. That's right, yeah. And I've been reading mm-hmm. his book. He autographed the book for me. So very I, nice. I, I sleep with it under my and pillow every night.
0: You're still holding it from me. Aren't you? <laughs>
1: I, I'm never going to give it to you. And then it's... Uh, Jim actually uh, went to William Patterson University as well. He did for well.
0: a couple years, yeah. And, and
1: for those of you listening, you are listening to the Brave New Radio, which is the radio station of William Patterson University. And you can always find us, by the way, at musicbiz101wp.com. You can tweet us at this very... Moment with your questions for Al Cohen of ACM Records. I wonder what the AC comes from. Oh, I hmm. We've at, got a fight for that? I, I, you do. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: and we're going to talk we're about that's talk right. about a fight. At Music Biz One Hundred and One WP, get the questions in. Of course, we're all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you, we're also at Music Biz One Hundred and One WP at Instagram. And of course, you're going to be listening to. Many of you will actually be listening to this as a podcast, which you probably found at Stitcher.com. And the uh, mobile app that they have, which is very cool. We're also taking tonight phone calls or texts in about 15 minutes, 973 720 2738. So, with all of that, Dr. Marconi, why don't you take it away and, and begin the third degree of
2: Uh-oh. Mr. Al? Alec- well, now I'm, I'm nervous.
0: Al has many hats, of course, uh, and he's. Actually taught for us for a semester here. Yeah, the survey as well. class,
2: survey the music.
0: Yep, today he has out. a he has also wearing a hat as a student tonight, <laughs> as he's getting his MBA in our program.
2: Believe it or not, this many years later.
0: Right, he's well, twenty seven tonight, yeah. isn't it? A couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times. So, but, let's, but it's
2: never too late to go back. That's right. You know, as and your career say changes and life changes and the business changes. You have to seek other opportunities. And to me, that was the right time to go back. Now that I have a lot under my belt, uh, actually getting the extra degree will help uh, also.
0: Yeah, great. So, Al, you grew up in New Jersey?
2: No, not at all.
0: You I on? grew
2: up in uh, Queens, New York.
0: Ah, where in Queens? Uh,
2: Rosedale, Queens.
0: Ah, I was uh, born in Kew Gardens General Kew, Hospital. Not too
2: far, not too far. Well,
0: we won't get into that. Yeah. Anyway, And so. I was born
2: in Brooklyn, so I'm the Brooklyn boy oh, now. I'm, I'm a Brooklyn In boy, too. East New York, and that's where many of the rappers I know that's are right. now. Right,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> that's true. So I moved
2: out just in time. No.
0: <laughs> so, Berkeley College of Music.
2: Yeah, then I uh, I was in... Uh,
0: what what the degree program? I
2: went for Composition. Okay. So I was really a guitar major as my instrument. I'm a guitarist since uh, since the Beatles came out, of course, like everybody mm-hmm. else, a little before that, and I've always played guitar. Uh, so I went to Berkeley to pursue my guitar playing. But once I was there, just like everything else I do in the business, I thought I needed a little bit more than just being a guitar player. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got into the composition area, so that I could range and write, and I was uh, learning how to score music for film, and I worked with some... Uh, some famous uh, composers there, like Mike Michael Gibbs and mm-hmm. Herb Pomeroy is very sure, famous line writing. So I really got into the jazz side of it and was really learning the composition while I was practicing six to seven, eight hours a day. Right. So you, you, you never put down your axe, but you use that in conjunction with everything else exactly. that you do. doing.
0: Exactly. So you graduated and came directly to New York?
2: Uh, no, actually the last uh, summer before I graduated, I was lucky enough to be called to do um, uh, a summer tour of Jesus Christ Superstar.
3: Uh-huh. and that as really a guitarist.
2: Yeah, as a guitarist. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, my conductor, when he did the first thing, he said to me, y- you got to dress like a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, by, at that time, my hair was down in the middle of my back, and right. I only knew how to dress like a hippie. Right. so. Uh, and really, that's a fantastic show, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a you know um, one of the classic shows. Andrew Lloyd Webber, of course, and mm-hmm. and it, it's a killer guitar part. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was it was like great. Yeah. And then my last year of college, I kept in touch. And that's another thing students should know. I kept in touch with my conductor all that year.
3: Right.
2: And then. When I was graduating, right before I graduated, so I had that year span, he called me up and he says, Al, I'm going on the road with a, a, a new show called A Chorus Line. Oh, wow. And A Chorus Line is the classic, so he says, you want to be my guitarist? So I, it, that was my first job out of college, and I went home for like two weeks, that was packed my bags, and left.
0: Prior to Broadway, A Chorus well, Line? Yes,
2: that, that's what led me into Broadway, because uh-huh. now I was on the road with A Chorus Line. I played it for about a year. We taught all over the states, mm-hmm. uh, some in Canada, too. And that's also a classic show. And uh, the guy who wrote that, the director, was a guy named Michael Bennett, yes, who's very right. famous uh, a choreographer, who I got to be friends with, and mm-hmm. we were writing some things together. And then a year later, I decided, hey, this is a lot of fun, and I was making decent money. The money on the road is for, uh, for um, a touring show is pretty decent mm-hmm. especially your first job sure. so i decided after a year i took the the nerve to say i got to quit though uh-huh. because i got to go to the city uh-huh. i got to go to new york so i could really pursue my career further and now i had money in the bank to do it sure. so i quit and
0: yeah. came back <laughs> so you wound up in then on broadway
2: uh well Lucky enough that I got back, and then I started subbing on the Broadway version of the right. Chorus Line. Yeah, there was a touring one that I was on, and then the one in New York. So I ended up actually subbing there for the guy a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. and that actually lasted a, a good ten years or more. Wow! As as I was doing other things, right. that show was one of the longer running yeah, shows. Of course. So that really established me on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then when I was uh, doing that, and it's also great back then. Um, so, I learned how to play banjo, learned to play guitar, and I really love playing in orchestras. Mm-hmm. Because now you're part of this giant sound. Yeah. It's not just, I mean, I'm, I come from playing rock guitar, but really to play in an orchestra with, you know, those, right, like you're, you're in the orchestra, right. it's a whole other level of playing, a whole different thing. Sure. And back then, even uh, the Wawa was so kind of new and freaky on Broadway, mm-hmm. we got what's called the double for the wawa wow. in other ways they pay you and then they give you extra pay like, you for know, playing the wawa we,
0: we, i'm a trumpet player and we get well, we what get it, double for flugelhorn yeah, for which flug- is ridiculous It's like still. the same instrument but, <laughs> right yeah.
2: so and, and then i was doing that and from there uh another conductor a young guy named glenn Roven, uh, heard heard the show came backstage asked who the guitar player was and he got me on the show uh sugar babies mm-hmm. which uh, sugar babies back then was with uh Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller, the famous Mickey Rooney. So I became good friends with with the Mick and all the sugar babies. Mm -hmm. And I... And uh, I really had to play a lot of banjo. There was a big banjo solo, and it's all I was called the banjo man at the time. <laughs> so, and I was still a young guy. I was in my early 20s, and I was right. the only guy on Broadway with purple hair. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, And all the old guys would be goofing on me, and I'd be goofing back because I'm having the time of my life, right. And uh,
1: right. Where, where are we right yeah. now, Rand? Because um, I remember the commercials for Sugar. Baby. Are we were on like,, oh, 80, this is in 81? the early '80s, yeah, in the yeah, early okay.
2: 80s. So at that time, I was back, and I moved into the city, and I lived in uh, the famous Chelsea Hotel. Mm -hmm. If you might have heard that, that's where Sid killed Nancy, the whole thing, Yeah, Uh, where they... uh, Explain, Authors. Explain who
1: Sid and Nancy were just for. Sid the and young Nancy.
2: Uh, Sid. Uh, Vicious. Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. Right. right. Uh, famous. The famous right. punk star, and uh, he ended killing his wife there. Right. It's a famous hotel. It's over a hundred years old, and uh, Jimi Hendrix went through there. Leonard Cohen wrote a song about mm-hmm. the Chelsea Hotel. A lot mm-hmm. of people wrote it. Arthur C. Clarke wrote a um, 2001 Space Odyssey in mm-hmm. there. So it was a very artistic place. Right. And that's where I started my first studio, believe it or not, so, in the Chelsea Hotel.
0: Where'd you learn how to do recordings?
2: I've always been recording. I was the first guy when I was young, before I went to Broadway, I had my, from a mono to a stereo in my closet. But <laughs> <laughs> stereo came out and I hear pennies on one side and the phone ringing on the other side, I say, wow, stereo,
3: man. Wow.
2: So... <laughs> So I always uh, was into recording, and and it was a natural thing. So as I was still playing Broadway shows, uh, I started my home studio in the Chelsea Hotel.
0: In your apartment?
2: Yeah, an apartment in the Chelsea Hotel, Uh believe it or not.
0: So you are recording, guys, with... um make-believe or baffling that you did with pillows and so on and so forth yeah
2: pillows uh i've been you know, in a
0: couple of those all sorts type of, of uh, acoustic
2: tiles and all that studios stuff.
0: studios in new york people do not even know they exist
2: but the hotel was funny because uh we were making a lot of noise yeah <laughs> as i started there i was doing a lot of my stuff but then i started doing rap music uh-huh. so i got heavily into the rap and then i early?
0: started i mean early rap early rappers
2: in the early 80s i started with uh uh, some guys like the early uh, Mantronics, mm-hmm. Justice, Curtis Blow, mm-hmm. Africa, Bumbada, oh, wow. Jam Master Jay from Run DMC. Yeah, right. And believe it or not, we were doing that all in the rooms at the Chelsea. So we, how did
0: you meet these guys? How did well, you... I
2: put one ad out, and that's another thing about the music business. Remember, putting out the smallest ad in the right place mm-hmm. is better than the largest ad in the wrong place. Right. So I put a little ad in the Village Voice, and I started getting clients. And one right. client leads to the next. And my first guy, Curtis, who was Mantronics, introduced me to Sleeping Bag Records. Mm-hmm. Then I worked with Tough City. All the independent um, rap labels, dance labels, select records of the time. Yeah, like, so I got uh, into Fred the early M- school of
0: it. Fred Mineo. Fred, Fred Mineo. Good yeah, old right. Fred. I knew him, right. Is fact, he still I, had, out? I don't know, but I had him... Here, years ago, give uh, yeah. a lecture
2: here. Uh, terrific guy. Yeah, and he started a lot of that early rap and that dance. Yeah, sure. Uh, type of uh, stuff.
0: Right. So, were these guys
2: paying you? Yeah, it wasn't just for the love. Sure.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, they actually because people would wonder.
2: No, no, with I know
0: new stuff, and they didn't have money in no, those they, days it, either.
2: I I was a small studio. I was like the stepping stone studio for uh, many of these labels. I had about half a dozen of the local labels sending the artists to me to develop their songs. Don't ah. forget, there was artist development then.
3: Yeah, yeah, So they
2: would put these rappers in the studio, and you do demos. Not right. like now, you have to, you know, yeah, yeah. you got your own stats. So yeah. I'd be the place where all these uh, early rappers would do a lot of their demos, and then we would take their stuff up to the bigger studios, mm-hmm. where they would add stuff and master
0: Good it. Sweetening, yeah, Yeah.
2: so it, it was an exciting time of, of rap. Right, and, the funny thing, as we were doing it, then my wife, who uh, my future wife at the time, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to mix a record. She was working for a tape company. Remember tape? Yeah. said tape. <laughs> right,
3: sure.
2: So she came to my studio. Uh, they were a client, but she needed to mix a record. I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. So she came in. I helped her mix a record. Next thing you know, she paid me. I say, Ray, I got money. I took it to dinner. And and the rest is history. Two babies later, my wife Eve, uh, who's a partner with me now
0: with ACM Records. So when did you start your own label then?
2: Well, now we're we're getting a little label uh, a little later on. I was uh, doing a lot of these demos and recordings. And still uh, in Chelsea. Still in the Chelsea hotel. I stayed there about 13 to 15 years. Wow. We're, I was such a party haven over there. Yeah. Stay you know, up all it's night, great record, history. people coming in and out. Great history, sure. Really great. You should look it up as a historical place if you don't know it. Um, and during that time, I was still doing my own music. And it's different than it is now. There was no distribution for indie artists. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a major deal, you couldn't get your music out. So I went contrary to that. I wanted my music out, whether I got a deal or not. So Mm -hmm. that's how, really, I started ACM Records. That started, while I was recording, I was called AC Music Productions. Mm -hmm. And then when I started uh, to put a label together, I called it ACM Records, Al Cohen Music Records. That's how it started, in 1991.
0: Right, so you were doing just your own material at that time, or you were starting... yeah, were well, you starting to get uh, Yeah,
2: I, well, I, I released my wife, <laughs> so, <laughs> Eve, who was uh, the artist. Uh, she called herself eveline mm-hmm. French name, and uh, we got our music all over. She did pretty well in the U.K. Mm-hmm. in the dance charts and that, and I put out my first record, uh, Glowin'. Mm-hmm. I went by the alias back then, Alloyed. Mm-hmm. A-L-O-I-D because I was now I'm Alpine but then I was alloyed, because I was singing all about UFOs and extraterrestrials and then I would do radio shows like you're doing radios I would interview all these nuts that you know had, were abductees and alloyed would interview all these abductees and stuff That's <laughs> so it's
0: pretty nuts. So you were doing licensing deals uh, with um, British labels or European labels at that time?
2: No we, we were uh I got my stuff in Tower and a lot of the... Uh, as many stores over, as they I had could. had to
0: get it over across the pond. How did you...
2: Oh, yeah. We had distributors over there. I forgot even who we work with. And on a bunch of the dance charts. Right. Really, as my label was started, it was focused because I wanted my music out. Right. Now, you're lucky. You know, the students and the uh, artists of today, could, of course, use everything like, like uh, Professor Phillips is teaching them how to get the stuff out. They could do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Then there was... Self-marketing was very hard. Yeah. My first CD cost me over 10000 just to package it
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and stuff like that. Doing the typesetting, doing the the graphics. There was no CD Baby. Right. There was no uh, disc makers. Right, right. Uh, you know, at the time, so I had to do it. I learned, that's really how I learned to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. That's how I built my music business career by doing everything myself. Mm-hmm. So I learned what a barcode was. Mm-hmm. I learned how to manufacture. I learned how to package. I learned how to do graphics. Mm-hmm. Even though I would never call myself a graphic artist, I made over 200 album covers mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as the graphics guy. Right. Because you have to. Right, right. But um, as I was doing those records, really what my business, ACM Records, which was a little bit of a... That became my corporation name.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
2: I wasn't a big label per se, except for a couple of indie artists and myself and my mm-hmm. wife and that mm-hmm. really we became what was called um we were doing administration services for other labels
0: uh-huh so for smaller labels than no you. no and
2: bigger labels wow. too B- besides doing the recordings, we were kind of like on the forefront of licensing sample clearances uh publishing, mm-hmm. and I worked with some of the biggest names at the time that would come through me, like EMI, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of these other labels, Atlantic came through us, I had Motown artists come through us, mm-hmm. and at that time, there was no place to go uh, t- to do sample clearances either. We were doing so many samples. Right. So one of my main businesses became helping people sample clearance. hmm and right yeah. now,
1: right now, what you've gotten is just a sample.
2: Well, that was of, a sample of, of, clearance. About,
1: yeah, of, of DIY. Exactly. Uh, a sample. I didn't
2: give you a license, though
1: to do that. no. You can't do anything without a license. And you are going to sue me. So when we come back, we're going to talk about a lawsuit. We're going to talk about ACM Records. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And we also have a lot of questions for you, Al. Tons of tweets here for you that you're going to have to answer in rapid fire style. So you're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Brave New Radio,
0: 88.7 FM. We will be right back.
2: How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright?
0: Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi. And me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the Music Management Program.
1: How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. (laughs) You're You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. We're listening to Alloyd, correct? We're listening to early, early Al Cohen when he was alloyed And are you trying to sing your song? Am I trying to sing? Yeah. Is your voice? Your voice
0: isn't that high anymore. My, is it? No, my voice
2: isn't that high. Uh, now I got character in my voice. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got From that. T- too many lectures that I give.
0: <laughs> yeah, so much. we're at the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah. And but first, but
1: first. Rappers and. But first, you're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on WP. They know that. Brave New they, Radio. They know our voice. And uh, tweet us at, at Music Biz 101 WP. Dr. Marconi, tell them, give them questions now that they can eventually hear this on Music Biz 101 WP.com. Go.
0: Well, we were at the Chelsea Hotel, actually, with early rappers. And uh, you put Broadway on the...
2: No, I was playing shows. I played shows. I still, still play shows. Uh-huh, good. Because <laughs> I, I haven't done a Broadway show in about a year, but I still play... Uh, uh, I'm doing um, uh, Joseph and the Amazing Colored Coat right. at the New Jersey State Theater for the uh, holiday shows. I mm-hmm. do that every year. Mm-hmm. I still keep very active playing, and uh, I played... Uh, Over a couple of dozen shows, including Lion King, Rent, Fame when it's on Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I mean, I could go on and on. Right, and there's so much fun because each shows different instruments. Mm -hmm. Some shows I play up to six to seven different guitars, acoustic, classical, Mm -hmm. uh, banjo, mandolin. Mm -hmm. I even had to learn how to play a zither once for the sound of music. Uh-huh. and working those shows the good thing about that before we leave it was that like when we did Greece, there was Rosie O'Donnell Al Jarreau, mm-hmm. Chubby right. Checker right. Joe Piscopo sure. uh, Davey Jones Mickey Dolan right. so that every six months there'll be another famous star right. that that would be on the show so I really I, I met like tons of really famous people Right. and plus I was playing guitar for like the legend Bo Diddley mm-hmm. anybody remember hey Bo Diddley mm-hmm. yeah Play yeah. the Bo Diddley beat.
1: I teach that to my kids. Here's the yeah. Bo Diddley beat.
2: That's it. Yeah. Hey, Bo Diddley. And you know what Bo always said? He always said to me, Al, everybody stole my beat. Right. I own that. <laughs> I own my that. Beat. And then I would say, but Bo, you can't copyright a beat. Right. He said, but that's my beat. You can't copyright it. His other famous expression was, hey, where's the ribs? Yeah, oh, right. We play all these rib festivals. Another famous beat of a star I played with was Ronnie Spector. Oh, yeah. Phil Spector's wife. Is that it? That's it. So anybody you would say play a uh, Ronnie Spector or a Phil Spector beat was that. So I toured with Ronnie also. So
0: Ronnie's passing out music one day. Yeah. And she keeps giving me a Uh, tenor sax part. Yeah. (laughs) And I keep passing it. So after three or four, five, I said, Ronnie, this is a trumpet. So she went, Oh, that's a trumpet. Oh, that's a trumpet. <laughs> I just went like this. At the time he was sane almost. I said, Oh poor uh, Phil at the time, you know. <laughs> Hello, where, the, where was that? When, oh god, but, it was yeah. in the eighties somewhere I can't remember, but I was doing these old rock and roll shows, that's what it was. Right. And uh for Nader or one of those guys, I did plenty know. of those shows yeah. too. Right. So
2: I got to play with at least those uh, legendary rock rock and rollers, a lot of 50 bands. Bo, we traveled all over. We went to Spain. Mm-hmm. I was on the same bill. I walked into the hotel room. I look up, and there's Robert Plant. I said, hey. He goes, hi, I'm Robert. I said, hi, I'm Al. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the rest is history. We're old friends now yeah, since right. <laughs> then. Chuck Berry was on the bill. Eric Burden. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, Ozzy was on it with Black right. Sabbath. So we really got to tour around and have... You know, tremendous time. Yeah. While I was still on and off doing a lot of these shows, plus running my studio mm-hmm, all the time, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I really met a lot of famous people, and it's been sensational to know. Them. So
0: your la- your label now, basically, I mean, today, today, basically, a, a full service.
2: We're yeah, it's it's, it's changed. And... We we were lucky at the time we were doing our own stuff, but when the digital uh, era came out, when you could finally sell your stuff digitally. We mm-hmm. really came back into full swing again, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the earlier ones, you had to invest a lot of money, mm-hmm. and because I was doing recording and other stuff, I wasn't really a label label. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we were doing these services. I was recording for uh, for Verizon, MCI, all these commercials we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when digital came...
0: Uh, what? Did you have like Red or somebody uh, distributing At you? that
2: time, who'd we have... Uh, uh, it was universal, but underneath them, I can't even remember. Caroline or uh, Caroline, Caroline, yeah, Caroline. I was just going to say Caroline I couldn't think of the name. Right. Right. So it, it was more like that because I was so involved really on the production tip more where, uh, you know, I started the company as ACM Records Incorporated to just be my umbrella company. Mm-hmm. So we weren't per se a label label, but we were doing all these things for many other labels right. at the time. Right. And then, um when the digital back to the digital when digital when you could finally do downloads we started getting all these artists and when we started it it was a service that a lot of indie artists didn't have Mm -hmm. now there's so many places the indie artists could go and do it themselves at that time we established ourselves with distribution I was working with The Orchard back then Mm -hmm. they were taking a tremendous percent Mm -hmm. the first digital uh, distribution deals were very high where they take a high percent because it was new so Right now, we have over five hundred albums out. Believe it, from all these acts from all over the place, mm-hmm. definitely from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And usually, our deals are just for their albums, mm-hmm. not so much as the artist forever or that. Just is distributing in a way, their stuff, and then we would also um, take their music. And we were one of the first early companies that do music licensing. Mm-hmm. So nobody's doing sync synchronization licensing, right? So. Back then, they came to my wife, Eve, who uh, at that point had lots of clients in L.A. Mm -hmm. So she went out there a few times and met with Miramax. And we have uh, blanket licenses with CBS, Paramount, NBC, MTV. Mm -hmm. They all use our music. So we would get our artists now. Into TV shows mm-hmm. and into movies, and back then, one of the uh, over twelve years ago, they wanted early hip hop from the eighties. Ah. I said, "Hey, we happen to have that," <laughs> so uh, we were able to uh, do the film Paid in Full, which is a classic, uh, a classic uh, hip hop movie yeah. that has been licensed twice. They had to relicense it for the different format, mm-hmm. and it's been airing for over twelve years, and mm-hmm. we get royalties still every time it's played. Great. So that, that's why we've eventually turned from just being a recording studio production. I I started wanting to get it to royalties because I knew with royalties, you could build up a base and get paid for the hours that you're not working.
0: Yes, right. So
2: every time it's played, you still get paid. Yeah. So we're lucky enough that uh, through Eve, through her clients and all that, we built up a baseline of shows like we did uh, another classic, Brokeback Mountain, Use Our Stuff, and then mm-hmm. there was a show – a movie, Winter's Bone, who mm-hmm. has the star that's in the Hunger Games now, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence, Lawrence uh, right? We've done a lot of MTV shows since The Real World back mm-hmm. since the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So, and some of those shows still go on. We had Malcolm in the Middle. We did Everybody Loves Chris. Mm-hmm. Some of the newest stuff we did is now with uh, Catfish is on MTV. Mm-hmm. We did Justified. They used our music, Shameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Countless shows that yeah. still use our music. That's great. So to do that, I switched ACM into a licensing division, and that became my music, uh, my production music library. That's called Q Hits, C U E H I T S, Q Hits mm-hmm. Music, mm-hmm. and that's specifically for licensing music. So we have music supervisors that come to my site, download stuff, put it in movies. Sometimes we don't even know what's in a show until we get what's called the cue sheet. Mm-hmm. So a cue sheet is when they mark yeah. what's in the show And then all of a sudden I see on ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC Royalty statements from all over the world mm-hmm. Playing our music that I didn't even know they were playing And there's mm-hmm. Mo- mm-hmm. mostly
1: yeah. demand for, for the hip-hop music, right? Well,
2: we specialize in hip-hop But my label We we uh, have hip-hop We have hard rap I have heavy metal bands I have country artists Which we'll get into country in a minute mm-hmm. I have classical composers So we really... That's why my label is functions in a way like a major, like mm-hmm. a Colombian mm-hmm. that has so many different styles. Very mm-hmm.
1: diversified.
2: Diversified. Right. Where a lot of these indie labels, I, maybe that's good or bad. A lot of indie labels are focused on EDM, mm-hmm. hip hop label. Right. That's all they do. But because I was into licensing, mm-hmm. we wanted music of every style: mm-hmm. jazz. You know, you know, I could uh, license uh, uh, a Christmas song tomorrow, or I could license hardcore melly mel. Mm-hmm. for my hip hop catalog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really still have to stay very diversified. So sometimes that's a blessing. Right. Other times it's hard because we're not super focused in identity. only right. you know one genre. Right. right. So sometimes I go, yeah, uh, you know, right. what should I do now? But what could right. you do? But, yeah. So then Can recent...
1: I yeah. Can I ask a question that will lead into where you're going? Uh, a question sure. from a student so we could get get uh, yeah. some of these tweets Please. in that yeah. will totally lead to where I Please? think you were going. Um because we want to make sure, because uh, we have about forty tweets for you, oh, and 40? so we have like 15 that's my fan
2: left. club in my class, yes. all my classmates, right? They,
1: yeah, they have actually tweeted out to you. I love as my well. classmates.
2: Hi there. This question
1: Hi there. is not from one of your classmates, though, oh, but but else. but it's good. It's from Anthony Yannette, and it's uh, how did you first hear? And this is worth getting into where we're going. How did you first hear about the Academy of Country Music?
3: Wow,
1: ACM. Filing for a lawsuit for the ACM name, and what were the first steps? What did you do? Wow, that's that?
2: uh, that's right to the core of it. Yeah, going right <laughs> at it. me a little shaken. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've always been ACM. There's a certain amount of stuff about this lawsuit, because it was a federal lawsuit that is now settled, mm-hmm. and we somehow settled it. So there's certain things I cannot say about it as a, a gag order or whatever you want to call it, confidentiality agreement. Right. Right.
1: When you say really. federal lawsuit, how is that different from... Another kind, kind.
2: Well, it could be law. state. Uh, Once you're in the federal courts, it's right. a much higher level.
1: Why was it federal? Just because they're in another state from you, and because?
2: Well, really, you know what? It really, what happened? Without saying too much, we're ACM Records. They were Academy Country Music. They used ACM as abbreviation. We're the we're the registered trademark owner of ACM Records.
0: And You had priority of use.
2: We have priority in. In records. Yes. It's when, they were when it's priority. Tied with records, right? Excuse me? When
0: it's tied
1: with records, when it's one name with records. ACM you, records. You but, have that.
2: But we have the right in that area of music. Okay. They were they were really a country award show. So if we get into U.S. Uh, patent and trademark, U.S. PTO law, uh, when you register, you register for a class. Mm-hmm. So you could have Acme Acme Cleaners and Acme Electricians, Right, both have the same name, but they're in different classes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect anybody mm-hmm. unless you're a famous mark like Disney. Disney doesn't have to register in Under any other class. Right. Yeah, because everybody knows if you use Disney for sneakers, it must be Disney. Right. So the courts won't let you. But if you're smaller like us, we're not a famous mark. You have to register by class. Right. So we're in one area. They were never registered in their area. Mm hmm. So eventually we we heard that um oh my wife Eve actually spotted them down we saw this other country thing and it was not until uh I don't know in in 08 or something we realized that they were now putting out some records. Mhm. So we actually opposed them at the USPTO, United right. States Patent and Trademark. They
0: were stepping on you.
2: Yeah, once once we opposed them they kind of went the back door and they actually sued us. Mm -hmm. So just remember, this is America.
0: Right. (laughs)
2: Anybody could sue you at any time, Mm -hmm. but you have to believe in yourself and you still have to fight it. Mm -hmm. So as a small company fighting David and Goliath is not an easy thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Which brings us to the next question. Yeah. From Katie, who you know. Katie. Uh, Katie. And her question was, Al, how did you maintain your resilience in court when you went up against an entity larger than yourself?
2: Well, (laughs) by believing in yourself Hmm? and knowing that nobody's going to take away anything that we do. And I knew we had certain rights. They had certain rights. It's not like we were mad at each other that one really stole from the other person. They were there. We were there. But in my area... We were there. Mm-hmm. So I had to believe, and my wife, it was a two-year battle mm-hmm. that nearly took everything that we had. But I would not give up the right of my name, ACM, as Al Cohen, and my company that I built since 91, even mm-hmm. if we're not the largest, we still work with major people, major names. And I knew that no matter what I did, I had to fight it to the end.
0: And And they were banking on you. Not having as right. deep pockets as they. Yeah,
2: I had uh, I had uh, attorneys in California. I have attorneys in New York. Right, and all, all we had to fund them all. Right. So they were they would they knew sooner or later we would go under. Right. But you know, we had the uh, we we had the rights on our side and the strength to continue believing in what we believed in. So we just fought them and we knew we had certain rights and they weren't going to take they wanted us totally out of the business. Right. And I say I ain't going nowhere.
0: <laughs> and as a true musician, you wrote a song.
2: As a true musician, we, the first song that we played tonight was called That Ain't Country. You <laughs> can't take away my name that ain't country. Uh, you can't take away my fame that ain't country because that ain't country at all. Right. So I became this alias, not Alloyed Al anymore. I became Al Pan.
0: Did you buy a country. hat?
2: I had a hat. I okay. had a hat. I grew a big white beard. And <laughs> at my deposition, I was in my big white beard. And I told them they ain't taking my name away. They we- thought I was out of my mind. <laughs>
0: Can we hear a couple of inches of that? Yeah, sure. I've
2: been around the block so many times I lost track. I will real all to make ACMA.
0: Oh, that was recorded in New York, <laughs> and not Nashville. Not in
2: Nashville. Oh, so and I played all the instruments. Obviously, and recorded right, right all my lyrics. So that was a
1: protest song you did to a degree against what was happening. to Did it? Did it do anything for you? Well, did it work? Well, what it
2: did was they now at this point they knew we were totally out of our minds <laughs> yeah. and we would basically do anything. Now I'm in court telling them that I'm also Alpine, <laughs> you know, and that nobody could take away our name. So they knew. It wasn't going to be an easy fall, which at first they said, we never heard of you. Well, right. we said, well, NBC heard of us. We never <laughs> heard of you. Universal heard of us. Right. Well We never heard of you. Well, that's your problem, not mine. I never heard of you guys. <laughs> you know? Right. So it was a protest. So because I was so wrapped in the only thing I could think of at the time was how to get back. Well, through music. That's all I could do through mm-hmm. music and lyrics. Mm-hmm. And of course, believing in yourself.
1: Now, um, Barry Bell has a question, which which goes as, and you know Barry. Um, Al Cohen, that's you, did the lawsuit for the rights to your company name have a negative effect on your brand, and was it worth the litigation?
2: Well, during this two-year period, it was rough. Did they have the power to sort of blackball you?
1: Was there any concern that they could do that? No, we
2: weren't, but they thought we were blackballing them, Mm -hmm. Mm because we were using social media now against them, Mm -hmm. where they had a squeaky clean name. Mm-hmm. So we would be posting in Taylor Swift's account. We're posting things in, uh, you know, you name a Miranda, Miranda Lambert, everybody's right. account. Right. Eventually, I had to take them all down.
1: But, <laughs> <laughs> but what, would, we, what would you be posting?
2: Well, my wife would just say uh, she did the post. She was really good at that stuff. Just talking about the suit. So mm-hmm. we were we were so talking she would post
1: about, and say hey, hey at George Strait. Did you, did you see that? Well, we would
2: have these press releases at uh. the time, and we would post our press releases of David and Goliath, trademark bullying. Really what uh. happens when a big company goes after a little company, they call that trademark bullying. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're going to bully you for what they want until you can't afford to stay in business.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's that's what it is. So now we're we're coming back stronger than ever. It hurt our brand for a while, I, I will say, because... All we were talking about is this lawsuit. It's hard to function personally, Mm -hmm. financially, Mm -hmm. or Mm business-wise. But now that it's settled, we're saying our brand is stronger than ever Mm -hmm. because now nobody can take that name again away from us because now we have documents, a settlement that makes us both stay in business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So social media, as you teach in your class, is such an important tool. And then the last song that we'll hear in a few minutes is uh, it's called "Stand Up for Your Rights" or "Stand Up, Stand Up for Your Rights, Stand Up for Your 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 Own, Stand Up for What You Believe in, Stand Up for Your Own." So that was the follow-up to that in country, where Alpine now is singing that you got to believe in yourself. And mm-hmm. I did a quick video of all things believing in, you know you know, government believing in uh, women's rights yeah, believing that, in right. and all that stuff. So I'm really just trying to encourage the, the best thing to, to fight with mm-hmm. is being strong with your music and your belief. Now
0: stand up wasn't a reggae tune, was it? Not
2: well, stand up. course, I was inspired by, get to infringement by Mr. Marley. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you mentioned the lawyers and another student, Reiko.
2: Yeah. Uh, hey, who, man, you know, Reiko
1: Takahashi says uh, question for Al Cohen, who is Hi. you again. Is and you kind of alluded to this, but I kind of want to take an extra second. Is having a good lawyer the most important thing when entering the music industry? Uh, any recommendations? In this case, did you have the lawyers already beforehand? Were you recommended these the two different lawyers that you had? How did you? That's work a great with them?
2: question. We had a lawyer that we were working with here in New York, and he eventually uh, recommended us somebody in L.A. Because now we would be sued in L.A. in mm-hmm. California law. It's not easy to right.
0: fight the other side of the country. And you needed, a trademark, lawyer, needed a, a trademark lawyer, not a You needed a trademark
2: a patent attorney. Yeah. So my guy here was that. We got somebody there. The thing about lawyers that everybody should know is they're expensive, <laughs> real expensive. So the only thing I can encourage as music students is learn as much as you can so that you could read, write, and negotiate your own contracts. I, I wouldn't say that you have to sign them. Without advice from your attorney, but the more you know about what you are getting into, the more you could speak intelligently to attorneys. So we were actually, as much as we were taking their advice, we were giving them advice of where we wanted the suit to go. Mm-hmm. So at no time were we just hanging out. We were right. directing the the the, good the, point. the machine. Good point. So everybody has to take entertainment law, and you got to be really smart of what your business is, whether you take a class or not, if you're going to be in this industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. And which which kind of leads to, it's still on topic, but uh, yeah. Joel, Joel Filippi Hi, wants Joelle. to know, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone who's getting into the business and trying to start their own label?
2: Mm.
1: Which you've done all, all this stuff. Well, so. I hate to
2: say, sometimes when I teach uh, the music business, I teach students how to, not get in the business? No, no, sorry. I don't want to take anybody away from the school. I, I would say, first of all, you got to be really strong and really love what you're going to do because there's a lot of other ways to make money that are going to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I would say, just like I said with the lawyer, you have to study the business even if it's not a class. You have to read, you have to research, and you got to know what you're doing uh so my advice would be, learn as much as you possibly can before you get into something that you can't get out of. I'm you bringing know. up
1: Aaron yeah. Van Dyne again, who, yeah. again, teaches with us. We had him on the show back in March, I believe, of, of twenty this year, 2014. And he said his best clients, he's a business manager for artists, his best clients are his most educated clients.
2: Mm-hmm. Sounds like Sims Clothing, right? That's right. right. <laughs> That's right, right. Yeah.
0: consumer uh-huh? Ex- Exactly. Right. Whatever. If you're
2: a smart consumer, you know what you're buying. Right. And you know what you're doing. And and if it is your music, your label, she wants to start her own label, what is the label? How are you going to fund it? How are you going to make it? Mm Because it's going to be every day, all day of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to give him a uh, lightning round? or Yeah, lightning? how
1: about a, a right, quick lightning round? Because we have, what, Philip? We have about three minutes left.
2: Four minutes And you left. still got to pay the end of stand-up for your rights. We're
1: gonna do, we'll do this as yeah, an outro. The, yeah. And it'll play exactly. after the show, too. So you're oh, fine. Beautiful. Yeah, you got, I love, I I got love you.
2: this guy over here. I just met him. Hey. Philip is a really great guy <laughs> yeah, with a very, a very, very pronounceable last great name. <laughs> right,
1: Brittany wants it. to know, were there any motives you had upon your start that you held on to and would say has helped you stay afloat in the industry?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, Believe it in your own music, believe it in your rights, and doing it yourself if you have to. That's what everybody does now. Do-it-yourself artists.
1: Tim wants to know, did you become disenchanted with the music business after the lawsuit?
2: I I think I'm getting a second wind. Mm -hmm. I I got really dark during the lawsuit. Got really dark.
1: And that was a two-year period.
2: Two-year period where I didn't know where I was going. Now that it's it's like, um, you know, the aftermath... We're trying to figure out how we're going to restructure. We're planning a few concerts, one for Strong Survive, which is about surviving. Mm-hmm. We're doing one on cyberbullying, a bullying concert. So we're trying to put together now, get into the live thing like you talked about, because mm-hmm. records aren't selling, but in positive ways to go back. So I'm really going through a rejuvenation of what, where am I going to take the label now?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Melanie wants to know what is the key to making yourself particularly so versatile in the industry, and do you recommend people? You 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 can play, you have good ears, you have a lot of dead, right, yeah. they're very attractive. <laughs>
2: oh, oh so yeah, sweet.
1: but but what what is your key for being that versatile?
2: Just the love the uh, love of music and love of knowing what I'm doing. Inquisitive. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Uh, unless you're one of those guys that are focused so much on what you do best, maybe there are certain people that play this style of music cuz they're fantastic at it. Mm-hmm. I felt like I like the world. So I wanted to be more worldly and I'm I'm trying to open up to everything else in mm-hmm. in, in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have just because you're working for label um and obviously A lot of tweets are, are you signing artists? Do you guys do the full functions of a traditional label where you do uh, distribution and promotion and marketing for new artists? And take demos.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we do. We're restructured. The door's been closed for a little while, Mm -hmm. and we're starting to reopen it. We have a few great acts. I have my daughter, Zemi who we produced a record. It was on all the radio charts, dance charts all around the country. We never made it to major radio, but that was right before the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of rappers, Shift T. Um, We did a battle of the bands that we involved William Patterson like two or three years ago. There there was a group, the Creep Tones. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, slowly we're opening the doors again as we figure out where the company could go.
1: And in and, and this business, Bianca wants to know, how as you as an indie label, how have you been able to survive in a business uh, against major labels, for example?
2: If you, if you see yourself only against the major, you're a loser.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because there's no competition against the major. Mm-hmm. So I see myself as a smaller, we, we have to make less money right. than a major. So long as we can make money to survive and do what we do, that's why we got into sync licensing. So we found that our money wasn't in records. Our money was more in licensing. Mm -hmm. So be versatile enough to find out where your revenue stream is coming from. And then you have to change it up. Find
1: that niche. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The niche. And again, I think we also mentioned the word diversification earlier. Absolutely. And you as a person, you're, you're, Diversified. If you look at the career from a player to a recording studio owner to somebody who's become a businessman who is running the label and doing all the various things that you guys do, and the now a professor of music too. That's that's to right. help
2: give it back because I every every class I do, as we do in your class, we talk about news. Mm-hmm. So every day, I'm up to where everybody else is up to. Because mm-hmm. the day you stop in the music business of being current exactly. is the day you stop in the music business.
1: Yeah, exactly. Last question. Yeah. This comes from Aaron. Hey, As Aaron. someone who runs an indie label, do you find that you are more cautious signing an artist than maybe a larger label would be with more resources?
2: Well, uh, obviously, a, a larger label could take a chance easier. They have more funds. They if have something goes wrong.
1: ability to fail. They do. Yeah, uh,
2: where we can't. But uh, like I said, our label is a little different the way we run it. It's not just like a a 360 deal. We don't do those because I can't support it as much as I would like to. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have different terms that we work on.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, these have been great questions. We want to thank Aaron, and we want to thank Devana, and Nicole and Jess and Fast Jimmy C and hey Anderson everybody. and Chris yeah. and all these guys who've been uh, tweeting us. It's it's very helpful and very thank you. Also to Nadia and Yasmin and yeah, yeah, Nikki, yeah. Caitlin. And thanks very much.
2: Up? Yeah, what we're going to wrap up. Today? We have a
1: couple lessons of the day that I wrote about. Wow, a lesson
2: of the day. Yes,
1: couple lessons. One that you oh. talked about way back in the beginning was don't burn bridges. The first gig you got was because you would stayed in in, uh, in touch with yeah, somebody. You know, totally,
2: hundred percent.
1: Stay cool, be good to everybody. Another great one that can transfer to social media as well. You mentioned smallest ad in the right place is better than the biggest ad in the wrong place. The Perfect same with marketing. with social media. You know, it does not matter if you have fifteen million followers if only two people are actually listening to what you say. Yeah, mm-hmm. So yeah. So so that's good. So there, there's more, and I think we're going to talk about it in our classes. Uh, this will be a podcast, so people are going to be able to listen to it over and over again. I always. Listen to these at least two times after, after mm-hmm. we're done. So mm-hmm. I'm going to
2: put it in loop in my headphones just so <laughs> you yeah. so <I> hear <laughs> yeah. my voice. He's
1: a very, very attractive <laughs> voice. So uh, what we want to do at this point, we want to do some thanks. We want to thank Philip yes. Gorachowski. <laughs> Philip Gorachowski. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We now also want to thank our favorite guest of the night, Al Cohen oh, of wait, ACM Records. Thank you. you
2: Wearing two hats tonight. Two
1: hats. He's also the
2: student. See, I didn't read the tweets. so I
1: am only one. But, hat. Right. Yeah, it was well, sort of one hat. Yeah, no, but, but you, yeah, yeah, you're not diversified enough to be That's able to well. read tweets and answer them at the same time. And then, of course, we always want to thank Professor Dr. Stephen Marconi. Oh.
0: Right. Ciao, 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 Bella.
1: That's right. He's he's Italian. Marconi is an Italian name. And then, of course, I am your Professor Dr. Undoctor Professor David Kirk Philp. <laughs> you may call me Professor Undoctor David Kirk Philp. We are. The the proprietors, sole owners of Music Biz One Hundred One and more. You've been listening to Brave New Radio eighty eight point seven on the FM dial. You can stream us anytime. Music Biz One Hundred One WP. Tweet us all year long at at Music Biz One Hundred One WP for all of us here in the and station.
0: We're going out with we're
1: going out with stand up for stand, your rights.
2: Uh, stand up, stand up, s- s- stand by up Al. for your rights.
1: By Al, by Al. Oh, that's Alpine. That's Alpine. 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 That's so it. Al,
2: thank you very much. Music hey, my Biz One Hundred One. Adiós <tose>